so, here, so here's the next question. Um, anything, anything on you guys's, anything that those topics kind of um, provoked or whatever, any, any new thoughts or questions that kind of came to your head based on those things that were talked about last week? And, if, and, and like I said, it's, you're not embarrassing us if you don't have questions. We'll just pretend that means we answered everything. But is there anything from last week that you, you've been kind of spinning in your head and you'd like further clarification on? <laughs> I would. Yeah, there's a question. Um, one of you said something really, really cool. It really hit home. I thought it was interesting. But I just wanted it's to know if me. you were directing it specifically <laughs> towards men or if it could be for women too. And it was, um, don't go, I just remember it. It was like, don't go to bed bored, uh, go to bed tired from doing God's works. Was that specifically geared towards just men, or is that something that you think that can apply to women too? Um, yeah. That's yeah. It. Yeah. No, that's a great question. I think everything. I think in some ways everything that was said kind of can go to both to both genders last week, um, except for you know, guys, you don't need to hold on to the like wifehood doesn't equal womanhood thing. So like, <laughs> but like, I really do believe on some level that that in the same way that that men ought to go and to to be ready to go home and serve, that wives come with that same attitude. And I think it was Morgan who talked about, basically, um, I don't know if you use this term or not, but marriage in some sense is a race to the bottom. Like marriage is always a race yeah. to who can, who, can go, who can go under and serve better. And who can, in, in, that, in a quote-unquote competition, in a godly way, I mean, that I'm always trying to outserve my wife is, is kind of the goal. So I think it really can go to both ways, but... I do believe that men have been given by God the primary responsibility for service and the primary responsibility for leadership and, and investing and sacrificially loving their family. And so um, I say yes, and, and I say, but I really, really would call men to that um, to, to make sure that they are setting the standard for that in their homes. That's a good question. Anything else? All right. We'll, uh, we'll jump into some of these, and, and um, almost all of them, it's going to really blow your mind and surprise you, almost all of them were written by girls, so Morgan's got a lot of work to do tonight, um, but, but we'll, we'll kind of turn some of these, and I'll, I'll, I'll take some shots out of them too, but um, first one is, how do we differentiate between biblical and cultural roles for men and women? And Heidi, actually, I remember you, you asked this question, right? And so, just to clarify, you're asking, um, how do we like in? How do we kind of find the line between in the world and in the career and in the workplace? There are these kind of roles, and then within, say, the family or in the church, there are these kind of roles. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, some things it's like because during the biblical times, women didn't work and they weren't educated, and so how do you know kind of where that line is between pursuing a career and still fulfilling your like Christian like womanly duties as a wife or just as a woman in the church if you're not married like kind of how do you balance that without going too far got it got it yeah I don't have to do that because that was in yes recognizing that in in the first century it was pretty much a across the board it was easy to say this is kind of where women are because very few of them were working outside the home and doing those kinds of things but today things are different okay good so how do we work through that stuff today how do we kind of figure out the lines between those you have any thoughts that you want to um are we talking about the first question or the second i guess i'm a little first question but i think there really is there really is a a, a bleed over i'll just kind of read this next one how can women stay fully within their godly role without sacrificing career personal aspirations so these do kind of touch on each other a little bit right they they do they do connect a little bit because um 
there weren't a whole lot of, to go back to Heidi's thing, in the first century, there, there weren't, I'm not saying this completely, but in general, there weren't tons of career and personal aspirations in, in the sense of there was no, there, there were very few women who were trying to climb the corporate ladder or trying to whatever. Most of them did kind of operate from home. And so, so it's a different kind of world that we live in. So how do we live in this balance? What, what does it mean to be godly, to submit, but also to be thinking through my career and, mm-hmm. and my job and where I might end up living and those kinds of things? Mm-hmm. Well, I think this, this one, I think, has to, will change a lot when you're married and when you're single. Because, um, like, I'm also the primary, I, my, I'm the primary, I have to feed Quan. He's my son. So, like, that's my job. <laughs> you know, it's part of my job. So I have to work. It's not like I just can't work full time. And that's one of the things when I actually came on staff at, at uh, Sunnybrook, Jim and I talked about. He said, you know, your job would even look different if, like, if, if I was married and had my husband working, my job might even look different than it does now, but because I'm the primary, that's, that's part of my job. I guess my, my main thing I would say is this idea about sacrificing career or personal aspirations. Sacrifice is a biblical word, right? We hear about that a lot. And so I think ultimately you sacrifice everything you do to God, everything, just like Drew was talking about. That's the whole point is it's, you don't, that's why he was saying you should start right now and not wait until you're married because your life really is never yours. You know, your, your careers really aren't even yours. You're working as if you're working for the Lord. So if you already have this idea that you are sacrificing your career or your personal aspirations um, unto submission of the Lord, I think that it will be very natural to stay in that mode whenever you, it, when you get married, you know, I, if that's kind of what you're asking. Um, and then I was going to say something about this. I think the, the biggest difference, I think sometimes the biblical and cultural can have the same ideas for roles, and sometimes they can be really, really skewed. One of the roles that I think is bogus, that's, that's different between cultural and uh, biblical, is just that, like, being a woman is awesome, and we should be a woman like, like men are men. I don't think that's true. And I think that's what they try, because of equality, I think people try to make it sound like, so a woman really should be able to do everything a man does like a man does, and that's, I think that's dumb. So, um, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily mm-hmm. biblical. I just think it's dumb. I don't think God created us the same way and, to do the same things. Um, so one of the things I always tell, I tell ladies here is something that actually a really wise woman told me. Her name was Kamal. So I did not make this up, but she, someone asked her, she's a, she preaches and people were asking her about the idea of like, is that okay for a woman to speak and to preach? Okay. And her response to them was, um, I am a lot less concerned um, with the role of women than I am the cause of Christ. And so I think you, you have to at some point get lost in the cause of Christ to understand who you are as a woman and what your responsibilities are. So that's what that's yep. I got to say. This is this, how do we differentiate between biblical and cultural roles? How do we differentiate between what is kind of the universal rule for what the, the role of women should be and what was something that was just a part of the culture when Paul was writing or whenever who's that's a major, that is a hotly debated topic amongst biblical scholars and amongst churches, the two kind of different views being what we call 
um, egalitarianism and complementarianism. Um, egalitarianism being there's no difference in roles and they both have the equal kind of roles and, and do all the same things and women can be in leadership in the church and, and all these things. And complementarianism saying it's not that one is better than the other but male and female were meant to complement each other bringing different aspects and different roles to it. And so this is really, really debated and it's tied to things like slavery and homosexuality. These are kind of the three things that people wrestle with. How do we deal with... they, they they're, they're really kind of tied together. How we, what we want to say is cultural and what we want to say is universal, we need to try and stay consistent with these things. Um, I would say, um, he, here's kind of the rule we try to follow. I, I believe that the, the rules that Paul laid down for the church, okay, the general rules in the sense of men, le- or men are in leadership all right, within the church, um, I believe that that stays universal. Right, that that and and that that that's actually rooted in the family dynamic, and so because God calls men to be leaders in the home, that that means in the family, that that means in the church family, it still operates the same way. Um, that men are are to be like the elders in a church. I do believe that a woman can speak. I do believe that a woman can teach in church because um, that doesn't seem to be the general role. There are some points where you see Paul saying. I, I, it's my, my belief that a woman should stay silent in church, that that's what I hold to, that's what I believe on. Um, we do believe that those are tied a little bit more to the types of situations that were happening in the church, that you had women who were um, kind of staying up and maybe trying to take over in the church services in some spaces. You had some when he says that they need to stay silent. If they have questions, they can ask their husband at home. You're talking about a culture in which a lot of women were not allowed the education that men had. And so um, a lot of people think that this has to do with Paul saying, not, not because we don't want them saying anything, but uh, a lot of the women didn't get the chance. So they're going to have to, the church is going to continually have to back up while they ask some very elementary questions. And so he's saying it would be best if the husband led her and helped her through that stuff at home rather than us, the church stopping to, to back up all the time on those things. Um, so and because Paul also says, I believe that when a woman prophesies, he gives instruction about that. And, and so for that reason, in 1 Corinthians, I believe that Paul's okay with women speaking out loud in church mm-hmm. in, in general. But I do believe, I believe in the workplace, women can be in leadership. I do believe that. And, and I believe that, that um, women can be in leadership in regular relationships, in school relationships. But in the church, um, the primary leadership, that is the eldership. And, and then the lead pastor, I believe, is supposed to be um, men. See, Morgan is on staff, and she is in a leadership role. And, and I really think that that's biblical and okay. Um, but she does. She submits to Jim's leadership and to the elders' leadership and that. And so that would be kind of, uh, I know I'm, I'm talking wide around this question, but, but I, that would be kind of my general answer to that question. So um, let me move to three a little bit. What does it look like for men to lead women spiritually one-on-one? What does it look like for men to lead women spiritually one-on-one? I'll start with that real quick. And, and, and my, my, first, uh, my first kind of conviction about that is that this actually is not um, that the idea of the man being the leader in the relationship doesn't actually go into effect until you are married. Um, that the man is not 
responsible for the woman's spirituality. And, and, and even when I say that, that I'm responsible for my wife's growth and spirituality, I don't mean that she has no responsibility in that. I just mean that I do bear some responsibility to see her flourishing and growing and being able to use her gifts, those things that God calls me to that. But before we were married, I don't think that that was the case. I don't think that that, that God has me in that role. Um, that's her father's role. That's church leader's role. That's that's. The, the men who are connected to her in her life in an, a, in an official, in a permanent capacity, and, and not me as someone who's dating her, and not me as someone who is, um, who is married, uh, or I'm sorry, who's even engaged to her, I would say. Even at that point, I'm not necessarily in that leadership role. So and let me, well, yeah, what were you thinking? I was going to add on to that. This is really, really important because this is what the situations that I deal with with women are whenever they're in a dating relationship <clears throat> is they will become so spiritually involved with the person they're dating as if he's supposed to be leading them. And your heart, that is not guarding your heart very well because spiritual things are very intimate. They are really intimate. <laughs> and so if you are like constantly like processing with your boyfriend because he has a porn issue, that's not okay. Um, if he is like talking to you about about things that are super, like you need to have godly women in your life and you can go to men and men in the church um, and women in the church but that's that would be a big reason why this isn't okay because if you guys don't end up together like that's really really messy and you've given a big part of yourself to somebody that you can't that you can't get back you know and so that's super super important I yeah. think it goes with just, just as sexually giving yourself to someone that's not your spouse is a sin, I think the same is true. Like emotionally, me, I can cross an emotional line, and I have to keep, I have to keep boundaries up for that. So, and that's not to say that. that's not to say that it's bad or unhealthy necessarily to talk about spiritual things. No. You're going to no. talk about the things that are most right. important to you, and hopefully, right. that is the most important stuff to you. And so that's not to say that you can't be talking right. about those things. And, and it's even good because that helps you know where you're at when you're on the same mm -hmm. wavelength. And if you're moving in the same direction spiritually, theologically, those kinds of things. However, there is, there is a line that, that I think we do need to be careful about crossing. Um, because, because like, as Morgan said, spiritual things are very intimate things. And, and so it's, it's good to have, if the person that you're sharing all, like all the most detailed spiritual intimate things in your life with is your girlfriend or boyfriend that you don't you don't have other like friends of the same sex and there is there is some unhealth to that I think mm -hmm. that you can be sharing those things with. Um, let me talk about um, what it looks like for men to lead women like in a in in a marriage relationship and then let me kind of back up and I'm not going to counter what I said about leading but let, let me let me say what some practice might look like in a dating or engagement um, situation. So. Um, this is, what is a, the, the whole question? How do you lead your wife? And, and, and I get those questions and, and me and my friends are talking about those questions all the time. Um, because I don't know if there is like a set system and, and I'll just say like, I don't, my wife and I don't do like devos together. All right. We don't, we don't do, and, and I'm not dogging. I'm just saying that's, that's just not how it works for us. And so that's not kind of the major area. I, I think that, um, first and I'll, you know, it, I'll, I'll sound like a broken record, but the first thing that I think I do is is that I sacrifice for her, right? And I serve her. 
um, that whoever wants to be greatest becomes the least. That is that, that in leading, that, that's, the, that's the dynamic that Jesus set for us as a church. The model is that the leader serves. So the first way I lead, and, and I don't even have the ability to lead my wife very well unless I'm serving and pursuing and loving her, that I, that I have to do those things in order to be able to lead well. Um, practically, it does look like praying with um, her and trying to trying to make that regular part of life. We just heard this mind-blowing statistic uh, on uh, this last Saturday at this marriage seminar, and the guy um, came there and he said, um, standards chances of a marriage lasting in America right now are one in two, right? <laughs> Roughly 50% of marriages end in divorce, so one in two. Um, he said, um, amongst couples that pray together, that statistic, the odds of that shifts to 1 in 1,052 is the chances of divorce. Okay, um, So prayer together like matters, not, not because there's something necessarily just magical about that act, but because a couples that are praying, it means that they are invested in putting God at the center of their relationship. It means that they're invested in talking through those kinds of things. And you can see a little bit even why Morgan talks about the danger of getting super, super, super close spiritually. I mean, that's how much it bonds you together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, so praying together, just as, as simple as trying to make, uh, make sure you do this. And I will say this. This is what I've discovered as I've met with people and even in my own life. Um, the longer you wait to do things with, um, with your children... And with your spouse, when it comes to spiritual things like praying with them, mm-hmm. the harder and more awkward it becomes. Like it is, it gets to, to try and start praying with your wife after seven years, as weird as this, uh, and, and maybe this doesn't even make sense to some of you people, or you, you don't need to choose. But well, it's the same it's, way with a friendship, right? If yeah. you have a friend that's not a Christian and you haven't spoken about your faith the whole time you've known him, yes. it becomes real awkward to start yes. trying to explain to them how you live your life, right? That's yes. just real weird. That's the same type of thing. Because, because you've developed a pattern that this is, this is how our relationship goes. These are the things that we right. talk about in our home, and these are the things that we don't talk about. And like I said, that works with kids real well, too. Like kids, even if they're not specifically listing in their head, these are the things we don't talk about. They recognize the things when you start to talk about Jesus and you haven't for the first five or six years of their life. They recognize this is weird. Okay, um, and especially when you try to start doing those things when they're 13 or 14, I believe they're like, "This is weird." Um, and so to do this stuff early to pray with them, um, one of the things that I'm trying to learn to be better at is to um, ask my wife just what she feels like God is kind of doing in her life, and and that's that's something I, I will admit I've not done real well, but but trying to make that something that's a little more common. Um, I, I will say this that. One of the best ways I've found to be able to kind of lead is to lead from a point of kind of model and example, and, and that is to talk to her. Um, it's amazing how easy it is for me to only talk to my guy friends and the guys that I'm working on and staff and my accountability guys about the things that I feel like God is moving me towards and speaking to me about and trying to correct me. And, and it just it's just way easier for whatever reason to talk about that stuff and then come home and not really bring it up. But when I mention those things, it gives me a great opportunity to show her that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to seek God out on, on behalf of our, our marriage and on behalf of my 
my own sake and our kids. This is what I feel like he's leading me towards. And, and what do you think? And to be able to kind of engage her in those kinds of conversations and to talk through those things. So praying with her, asking her things that God is doing in her life and being really upfront about um, what he's doing in your own. Um, Amy and I find a lot of benefit in letting a third party um, kickstart a conversation for us. So that is going to a marriage seminar where a guy can lay out these nine different things and be sure to talk about them with your spouse. And I can go home and say, all right, baby, he, th- these are some things we're taught. These, this is um, conver- food, for, food for thought, food for conversation. These are things we can talk about. Or for Amy and I to read a marriage book together and after we're finished with the chapter, to be able to say, all right, let's talk through this a little bit. Or when I'm coming home or when we're coming back from a sermon we just heard that was really powerful to say, hey, what did you think about that? And, and to let third-party things, as, as God is speaking through books or pastors or teachers, to be able to say, let's, let's, let's talk about this and how this is kind of affecting us and, and how that spoke to you. And so those things are really helpful. How you can kind of practice these, all right? I think that the guy can practice, even though he's not the leader, I think the guy can practice, to go back to the first thing, serving. Um, that the guy, can, the guy can practice from the beginning, serving um, his girlfriend or his fiance. And that doesn't mean building his life around her desires and her wants and needs, okay? It, it, in fact, sometimes the best way to serve a person is not to do exactly what they want from you at that moment. Um, and, and to do things that will be harder and will make it awkward, but um, to, to really be thinking from the beginning of your relationship how, like what role as a brother, not as a leader, as a brother in Christ can I play in helping this person grow and serve and how can I be praying towards that end and how can I make sure, um, I believe this very strongly that when it comes to things like um, sexual purity, um, that the world standard, what you see in like the movies and the shows, is that it's like the, the girl's job to like keep the guy from going too far, to draw the line. Like, I really do believe not only, not only is that like wicked for guys to be that lazy and to put that kind of pressure on girls and expect them to resist, um, not only is that lazy, but actually practically speaking, I found that, that girls actually, because they long for so much intimacy, that, that girls actually can sometimes struggle with the desire to go further in a physical relationship even than the guy can sometimes. So I think the guy needs to be the one to draw the strong boundaries on that. This is what I will, This is these are lines I will not cross with you, just so you know from the beginning. And so those are even some practical things, just kind of a guarding and protecting her her purity and her heart, serving her, and, and, and always thinking through, how is this helping her relationship with Christ or hindering it? So, I think a, a girl can do the same thing. I mean, you can be, you can practice being um, submissive uh, in, in the church. You can practice all those things yep. completely yep. ahead of time. I think that's one of the biggest struggles is with two people get married, and, they ha- and it's been a, like they've been single for a long time, and they haven't been practicing sacrifice, and they haven't been practicing submission, then what happens is they get married and they both want to drive, and they have a lot of issues. So that's one of the things that I would just say, too, which that's part of being a Christian. Yeah. You know, so it's like we're not asking you to do something that you haven't signed up for. So, um, (laughs) sorry, you already signed your name, you know, so this is just what it says. So that's one of the things that, that's one of the things I would say. That's good. That's good. Um... Number four. In this is a, the most likes. Yes, this one had the most likes on Facebook, just so you know. Yeah. Um, in a relationship, men are supposed to pursue, but what if a girl sees a godly guy and is interested in a relationship 
how does she pursue without pursuing? Okay. Um, so, how, how does she? How does she have? So the the question being, the question being, does she have any like responsibility in in um, initiating or trying to? Um, kind of begin this relationship a little bit. Does she have the freedom or the responsibility or however you want to say it to be able to do those things? Do you want to take a shot at this first or do you want me to? I have I have a lot of thoughts on it. Okay. But, um, well, a couple of things I would say as as a woman who loves the Lord, my, my view on that has changed a lot. Um, one of the things that I have a lot of conversation actually with my baby brother about this um, a lot is so I have a desire to be married, and um, it doesn't paralyze me and how I'm following Jesus, but I do have that desire. And one of the things that my little brother Austin talks to me about, who's, I say baby, but he's he's not a baby, he's 25. Um, he, uh, he's a baby to me. So he he's married, and they're going to have a baby in April. And he, Which is really good you clarified he's not actually a baby before you said the whole marriage. Married and baby? Yeah, having yeah. a baby. So. One of the things that he has told me, and he has also actually told um, a girl that's kind of in the same position as myself there, is that you do kind of need to make yourself um, available, is how he said said that to me. Like, you can't, it's not, boy, when if men, godly men aren't, he's just, he tells me, Godly men can be intimidated by you. And I'm like, what? That's dumb. <laughs> Which is, you know, maybe can be kind of intimidating, even a thing to say. Um, and, he, and he said it's not, and it's not because you're, you're outspoken. And it's not because, um, it's not because you are passionate about, about your walk with Christ and you're passionate about vocalizing your walk with Christ. It really is. It can, you feel sometimes like, her life's all together. Like she doesn't, she doesn't even desire anything else. This is this is how how her life is, and um, and that's good. I mean, because I'm I'm content, but it's also not good if I if I ever want to be pursued. Yeah. So that's something I would just kind of caution you to. Available doesn't mean you wear inappropriate clothing. Available doesn't mean that sort of thing. Um, but available is in like I'm not just shut off to everyone all the time. I don't just. I have I have like an issue if like a guy was to talk to me and he's single and he's like hey how you doing I'm like, good I was to walk the other way and that you can't do that okay because that doesn't get you anywhere so um, that would be the first thing I would say the second thing I would say is in in my my little brother's relationship with his wife that he has he is he is a godly man and he has followed God for as long as I can remember we got baptized on the same day and he's awesome. But he is kind of, and I don't know if this is just a guy thing, so you can look to this, but he was had no idea his wife was interested in him. No idea. And it wasn't that he wasn't interested in her. I mean, I think if he would have had some sort of list of, like, women that I admire, she probably would have been on that list of, like, someone that he looked to as, like, an admirable woman. Um, but he really, truly didn't know. His, his best friend and his roommate had to tell him, like, she's flirting with you. And these text messages, she does not need you to help her study. She, think about this. She knows the material better than you. You know? She, it was like those kinds of things. And so I don't think that's necessarily, like, wrong. Um, I, I just would be careful that you don't step into a, a guy's role. 
because um, I think that there can be a temptation then for a guy to be very lazy, and I think there can also just be a temptation for a, a girl to just, like stay in that role permanently, and then you're going to be find yourself really frustrated if like a guy doesn't take the lead because you've been leading, mm-hmm. you know. So I would caution you to that, but but I don't think there's a problem with like. Hey, like, I don't, I don't know. Nope, I think, you I think, what I'm saying? yeah, I think, okay. I see what you're saying. Um, I, I really do think that that's, that's really good advice, and, and I would be very, very, I mean, I, I'd line up with that a whole lot. I, I was actually kind of a similar situation, which Amy really was. I remember for, for at least a year, she was kind of on this kind of like, man, that's a girl, like, I'm going to keep my eye on. Like, I, they, they, I really think she's, I think she's attractive. She seems godly. We seem to be kind of in the same direction. Um, but I truthfully, and, and as things got closer and closer, and it became not more, I'm less, it became more than just I'm going to keep my eye on this girl, but like I really like this girl. Um, and yet I was semi clueless mm-hmm. and semi a huge wuss. And, uh, and, and, and so I just like, I wasn't, it was kind of that like, eh, I don't know if like, she really does like me. I mean, you know, maybe she just blows kisses to everybody. Or maybe she just... Yeah, yeah. So I'm just... She wasn't actually... Yeah, she would babe, not have I know, You weren't actually blowing kisses. Um, so, but, but literally, like, it really did take... Like, it, it took somebody, like, pulling me aside and me like, Dude, she likes you, okay? Because I was... I, I was, you know, slow to that and nervous about those things. Um, which I would, I would say, first of all, if I could go back... Um, if I could go back in time and, and redo high school and college again, it, it would be that I would be way less passive in those things and that I would be more um, uh, bold and that I would initiate more and, and not just nece- necessarily like trying to initiate relationships but being way more clear about what my intentions are with girls because I really do think I left partly because of a sinful pride issue and the desire just for attention. I didn't, I didn't do a lot of the dumb like, sleeping around and, 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 and that kind of damage and destruction. But I really do think that I left kind of in my wake some emotional destruction because there were girls that I flirted with and spent a lot of time with but never really declared what my intentions were or, uh-huh. or which direction I was going with that, you know. And then I really, if I could go back, I would do it, I would do it differently. Um, and so all that to say, guys do need to, I think guys do need to be more um, up front with the direction that they're going. And I do think a girl, even though it may not be the best, I don't, I don't think it's sinful for a girl to ask a guy, I don't, I don't know, you know, I, it, like like Morgan said, it can begin to kind of set a pattern if you're always the one kind of initiating and pushing things. I do think a girl has the right to be able to say at a point to a good friend, um, after you have kind of, after you've built a friendship with this person and you're spending time with them and you are, as, as Morgan said, making yourself available. Um, I want to say one other thing on that in just a second. But um, if there's a point where he doesn't seem to be going further, I told Amy tonight, I think you would have had every right to come to me at some point and say, I'm confused here. <laughs> right. like, you know what I mean? Like right. I can't, yeah. I don't know what your intentions are because it seems like we're kind of, going this direction a little bit, but you're not like, you're not making that clear to me. And, and, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm worried that you're just going to like mess things up. I think she would have had every right to do that and, and could have done that earlier if she had wanted to. And so I think it's okay for, for a girl to, a girl to say that and to challenge guys and just say, Hey, just so you're, just so you're aware, like this is confusing to me. 
one way or the other. And if you are aware, then please stop if, if you're not thinking that we're going yeah. any direction here. You know, to be able to Which is really important for a guy to know, too, because a girl's mind goes further. Yes, So yeah. a guy's mind a lot of times goes further physically, and a girl's mind just goes further, like, literally in years. So you know, just, your mind automatically goes like... Huh, I wonder if I could have a conversation with this guy driving to my parents' house for Christmas with kids in the backseat. Truly, <laughs> really, a girl, like, thinks through that kind of thing. Yeah, like, I think I could hold a conversation with him for four hours. You know, I mean, they start thinking, like, way down the line, so... I know that might freak you out, but it's the reality. I know. It's the reality, and so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as a girl, what Drew was saying, um, to be able to go and say, I'm confused, that's, I would challenge, I would challenge women that that is, um, you don't do that in an ultimatum kind of way, but you do, but that is part of guarding your heart, is that, here's the deal, my thoughts are going here, and if it's not going to happen, like, I have, like, I, I just, I need to, like, not be answering every text that you send me, and I need to not answer every phone call, and find out that you're going somewhere, and show up, because I think that I, I'm interested in you. <laughs> Truly, right? I'm not going to fix my hair every time I go to the volleyball thing on Friday. You know, or whatever. And so, that's something that I do think that's part of guarding your heart, so. Yep, yep. Um, it, I'll kind of, just, just this last little thing. I, I do think, and, and it, it's a fine line, and hard to kind of figure out, and that's why I can having community around you and uh -huh. older believers who can help you. I believe this, that, that it, God did kind of design men to pursue women. Uh -huh. And so therefore uh -huh. we're supposed to do that. And therefore also to, so I'll, I'll, I'll say one way with the men and then I'll kind of go reverse with the women. But um, therefore men need to make sure that they're continuing to do that um, even after they're married. Um, so that, that men need to be pursuing the girl that they want to date or that they're engaged to it. And, and then after they're married to continue doing those things to pursue her heart and to, to show her that she's loved and cherished. And men do a really poor job of this, that, that a lot of times they, without realizing it, kind of view like marriage is like the finish line. And they get there, and she says, I do, and they're like, did it, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> mission accomplished, you know, and, and that's kind of it. But, but actually, guys need to continue to, to do those very things because men were made to pursue, and I think women were made to be pursued, that that's to be delighted in. And, and those kinds of things. And so so that women need that marriage. And that's why I'm also able to back up and say a little bit, I, I think that a wife, her role is to still continue to kind of live in a way that makes herself pursuable, that she still is trying to look pretty for her husband, that she still is trying to um, show that she is interested in him and, and those kinds of things, and to back up and say that I think there is some degree of that that that's okay in this dating relationship to, to show interest and to be available. And, and I think that that stuff is okay. I have seen the flip and Morgan kind of warned about it. I've seen this um, women who are trying to fight the extreme of desperation and not wanting to be that girl, you know what I mean? And so they've gone reverse into just like stonewalling everybody. And, and who needs guys? And I don't, all I need is Jesus and get out of my face and you know what I mean? And, and all those kinds of things. And, um, and, 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 that's, and, and I don't think you have to go. It's okay to want to be married. It's okay to want to, to have someone in your life. And it's okay for that to even you know, be wanting that now in college. That's, that stuff is okay. And so um, I would just kind of throw that out there. So. Um, let's do this for just a second. Let's take a break, and I'm gonna I'm gonna write my number up here. And if you want to, if you don't want to ask out loud, out loud, but would like to text 
um, a question or whatever, kind of during the break or something like that, then we can we can look at those too. But we'll jump back in. All right. So. All right. We're gonna go ahead and get started. Okay, we got uh, we got a few a few questions texted in, and uh, and you can still do that. I might get a little confused, and we may not get to all of them. I also do want to try and kind of open it up for stuff, so we'll try to answer as briefly as possible, so we can get to as many questions as possible, and and see how that goes. Morgan and I, if you haven't figured out already, neither of us are real good at brief, um, so we'll try we'll try our best to to do that. But um, you just got a great question. Um, last week, Morgan uh, talked about guarding your heart through media, and, and I think that there's some great advice in there, but it does get a little bit difficult kind of with the lot, where you draw the lines and stuff on that, where mm-hmm. you figure that. So, mm-hmm. so I don't know if you want to kind of explain yeah. the question a little more fully. So the question was, last week I said part of the, reason, part of the way you guard your heart is through the media that you intake, and um, someone came up and asked me, they said the next day they went and were, went to Family Video to get a movie with their friends, and they kind of were paralyzed because they didn't know what they were allowed to get and what they weren't allowed to get because they felt convicted. So um, then when they, in the conversation they are having with their friends, their friends started to kind of say it really has to do more with personal preference. So if something, it, you know, if, if cussing is causing you to sin, then to not watch something that's cussing, that's kind of the question that was, pre- that was presented. So I would say there's a little bit of yes in the answers that your friend gave, and there's a little bit of no in the answers that your friend gave, because I do think there are things that, as a follower of Jesus, you should not watch. So I don't think it's a preference if it causes you to sin. I think this is not holy and glorifying to Jesus at all. So I don't know why you would ever watch this. This is not just like this is celebrating uh, love as a love story. It's just celebrating love, and so I, I can watch that and not and not sin. This is like this is just a sexual sin kind of thing. So, um, like the Fifty Shades of Grey movie. I don't think that's a preference thing. I think that's nobody should watch that. I think if you go watch that, you're choosing to sin. So that's what I think. Because um, I think it's wrong. So, so yeah. So um, that's what, that's what I would say about that. But. Um, the other thing I said that I was talking to Drew about is I think another big big key to this truly is um, is a is a motive issue. So like if I if I was to go, so I I was also convicted by some of the things that Drew was saying um, last Thursday. And so for Valentine's Day, I talked to my son about a specific thing about about love um, from. Corinthians, and we talked about love is not self-seeking. That's what we, that was kind of our theme for the day, was love is not self-seeking. So I said, so we're going to serve. All Valentine's Day, we're going to serve. And so, because um, I, I just was convicted by what by what Drew was saying, about like, that's part that's our job, you know? And so, um, so we hung out with the Henderson kids in the morning. Their parents went to a marriage seminar. And in the whole afternoon, I actually went and visited widows in our church and gave them Valentine's at the junior high. Girls had given them. And it was exhausting, um, but it was super, super rewarding. And there was not any time during the whole day that I pitied myself, that I felt bad for myself, or that I wished I would have had some sort of chocolate or anything. And actually, um, 
my son like went behind my back and texted my dad to ask him to take him. And, and then when I came home at one point, um, my dad and my son had like got me Valentine's. It's the sweetest thing ever. I know. And I wasn't even looking for it. I was like, ah. So, um, it was just, it was a really fulfilling, awesome day, you know, of serving the Lord. So, um, if your motives, so if your motives to buy, like, Sweet Home Alabama, I don't think there's anything wrong with this movie, okay? So, Sweet Home Alabama is a, is a good example, because I don't think that it's sinning to watch this movie. If you, like, were to go get Sweet Home Alabama on Valentine's Day because you were depressed because you didn't have a boyfriend, and you're watching it and just, like, and, and eating ice cream and just wishing that you were that person, that, now listen, that would, would not be right. So your motive in that is not right. It's just completely self-absorbed, and it's completely just like pity party for me because I don't have that, and now I'm fantasizing about having that situation, and that's not healthy. So I would, I would just caution you as to your motive primarily, and then I would just say truly anything that has like sexually explicit content, I really don't think it's a good idea. Like just period. I don't think. I know people, The Notebook is a favorite movie, but... There is a scene in the notebook where people have sex, and so I don't watch that movie. So, like, that, I just think it's really simple for me. Um, I know Christian people who that's their favorite movie, but that's, uh, so, it's kind of a gray and black and white at some time. It's <laughs> good. There's brief. Um, <laughs> I got, yeah, that's no, good. Um, I got this, this one texted in, and I am getting a fair amount, so I don't know if I'll be able to get to all of them. Um, and I'm getting, oh, never mind. Um... <laughs> How does a couple who sees themselves getting married but has pushed the sexual boundary a little too far rebound from that? Yep. Um, and this is a good question because I'm guessing that there are a lot of people who, who have been in this spot or maybe are in this spot. If, if I think that this is a person I'm going to be married to, like how, and, and we've gone too far, which by the way, that pushed the boundary a little too far, that's it's a wide spectrum of what that could mean, right? Um, we've pushed the boundary a little too far. How do we rebound from that? How do we work with that? This is, this is a good question because a lot of people are dealing with it. This is a good question because it's something I heard Jim Johnson say once, and that is that when he, comes to, when he has couples come in who are struggling, um, who are having serious marital difficulties that want counseling, couples who are having serious marital difficulties, this is his word, 100 times out of 100 they were having sex before they got married. So every time someone's having serious, he's not saying that if you don't, you'll never have serious marriage stuff, but he's saying anytime I've had serious stuff in my, thing, in my office that, that a couple's dealing with, a really rough thing, like every time there's been that, that's been at least a symptom of an unhealthy relationship. And there's some reasons for that. Here's, here's one that I don't even know if, if girls can verbalize, um, if, if it's really at the front of their mind, but I think has to be in the back of their mind is, is, is if this guy like, um, believes that it's right to not have sex with me until we're married, and yet he still will. If the temptation's strong enough, if the situation's in the right place, he still will. Like, how can I trust that he won't have sex with someone he's not supposed to after we're married? Like, he says that that's wrong to do. He says that he's got those principles anyway, but, but I mean, if, if, the, if he's in the right situation... I mean, who, who's, he can't help himself? What, like, what am I supposed to, like, it, I think it establishes from the beginning, like, a little bit of, like, lack of trustworthiness and a lack of integrity in, in those things. And so there are those, and, and we, you know, we were just talking about couples we know who have only ever slept with the person that they ended up marrying with, have only ever had sex with the person that they ended up marrying with, and are still dealing with issues in their marriage based on that. 
um, based on deeper things that are going on there um, because of some some lines they crossed and, and the way that they've kind of ended up tying. Uh, there, there's a number of things that are going, but I think tying something that was supposed to be beautiful and a gift, there's shame that's tied to that mm. in um, subconsciously and, and some things that are going on there. And so this is a big question. And because of all of the things I just said, I think the way you rebound from that, you deal with that, is... Um, with a lot of intentionality and with some, um, with a lot of um, determination, if you will. Paul talks about, you know, in, in 1 Corinthians 9, talks about how he beats his body and he makes it a slave. Like, I'm not, I will do whatever it takes, no matter how harsh it may be, to keep myself from, um, um, from, from not living up to what God has called me to do. All right, and, and his isn't in a sexual sin context, but it's in the context of wanting to please God. I'll do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that that is, that is the line. So what do we do? Whatever it takes. Um, this, is, this is Amy and I's uh, rule um, when we were engaged in dating. And 90% of the time, 97% of the time, we followed it. And the 3% when we didn't is when we got in trouble. But that was just this. We would never be alone in a, build, like in a room together. Um, and that gets inconvenient, okay? That's not, like, it's not convenient when um, we want to hang out and watch a movie. We're, we're going to a university on the other side of the world, all right? And, and so um, she can come into my legal, like, the rules were I wasn't actually even allowed in her dorm room. She was allowed in my dorm room, um, but we weren't going to do that. And we're on the other side of the world, so it's not like we know anybody's house that we can just go hang out in. And so we're wanting to watch a movie together, and we're just watching it on a laptop in 45 degrees sitting outside, okay? Um, not like the most awesome day ever, all right? Um, but, but it was one of those things that we just, we for our own sake, one is because we were there, we felt like representing the gospel and representing Jesus, which, by the way, you kind of are no matter you're overseas or not, right? Um, and so we didn't want anybody to be able to misunderstand our relationship. We wanted to have the utmost integrity that nobody could ever accuse us of doing anything because we, we always had the past to say, no, like we, there's a witness there. We were never by ourselves alone, okay? And for our own sake, we weren't going to do that. And so um, that's, it's not a sinful thing to be in your girlfriend or boyfriend's apartment. It's probably really stupid mm-hmm. um, by yourself. And so... So that's just one of those things. You go, man, that's, how, well, that's what are we supposed to do? We don't have a lot of money. We can't go out a lot. So where are we supposed to? I don't know. Like, it's, is, is that worth it to you? Is, is holiness and integrity and trying to, is that worth it to you? And so um, it's going to be drawing, drawing some really hard lines because, as you know, once you've gone to a certain point in a relationship physically, it's really difficult to not go back to that point again. It's really difficult to dial back, and so I think you have to, again, draw some really strong lines and dial back even maybe further than you would think is necessary. Um, to say, these are some lines we're not going to cross, and I'm going to set up some accountability, and I'm going to have uh, a friend of mine who's going to talk to me after my date and going to ask me how I did those things. I'm going to make sure that I'm not alone with this person indoors anywhere. And, I'm not, and, and to really draw, so I really think it does mean drawing up some hard and fast lines on those things. If you believe that this is a person that you're supposed to be with, if you believe this is worth pursuing with, um, okay, um, but... But how much is holiness worth to you and how much is a healthy marriage in the future worth to you to be able to do those things and to honor God worth to you? And, and Jesus says, hey, if your eye causes you to sin, you gouge it out. And so Jesus, the point is you do whatever it takes 
um, to be holy and to be pure and mm-hmm. to honor God in those things. And so there's not there's not a limit to how far you need to go if that's if that's what can kind of keep you um, into a place of purity. So I would also say on that, um, one of my friends that. Um, she and her husband now, they slept together and they had never slept with anybody else. They slept together. They were engaged. So it was right. Like it was just a few months before they got married, but she, she has dealt with this shame and she dealt with it for a long time. Um, and she's still dealing with it and will deal with it for uh, forever probably, but she's dealt with it for a long time. And, um, she told me, she said, you know, it was one of the, it didn't even, she said, and it was so dumb because sin, like we all know, really likes to be secret and in, in the dark, kept in the dark. And so she would feel so much shame and her boyfriend, fiance, whatever, would feel so much shame after they would have sex. And then they would swear they would never do it again. And then because no, um, one, because there was no confession to anyone else outside of those two, it wasn't going to happen. Um, and two, because there was no hard, fast lines drawn. So then if we're never going to sleep together again, then we need to like set some boundaries so we never sleep together again. It can't just be like, so I'll just see you tomorrow and we'll watch a movie at your place, in your room, on your bed. No, like you have to actually set, like you're saying, you have to set some boundaries that are like, no, actually we're not going to be together. But I do think confession is a big part of that. And so I think same way with like, if I'm dealing with a personal sin, if I don't ever confess that to somebody, it's a lot harder for me to not continue to fall into that sin if no one's holding me accountable to it. So I do think that it has to be someone very trusted, um, but that you do need accountability outside of you and the person that you're in a relationship with, outside of outside of that relationship to be holding you accountable, to know this person's going to ask me. You know, this person, this person knows the situation, and they're going to be calling me on it. They're going to say really, you're on the phone with your boyfriend at 2 a.m. last night? Like, is that a good idea? I mean, they're going to be calling you on specific issues. So he's, so-and-so's coming to town. Like, what are your plans? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Um, those, need, those need to be questions. I have a lot of friends that I, I ask those questions. I'm, I'm a question asker for them. They ask me to be that. And, um, and it's never like, out of anger or anything like that. It's just like, hey, be smart. Like, and no, I'm an, I am going to ask you. Mm-hmm. And, it, and they tell me, you know, it really does help me because I know you're actually going to ask me. Yep. So um, I just, I, I think that's a big, big part of it is that, and I do want to say too, if you put those boundaries in place and if you do have accountability and if you do make a decision to, um, we're not doing this anymore and now we're going to wait until you get married. I do think that God, God will honor that. I'm not saying you won't have issues in your marriage or anything like that, but I do think God will honor that and that you can, you can feel very good about, um, standing in front of a slew of people on your wedding day um, in a white dress and presented as, as, a, as a pure person. So I just want you to know that. I do believe that. So It's good. It's real good. Um, do you think everyone with the desire to be married will be married? People tell me that if God places the desire in me, then it will happen. Is that true? Okay. Bree, you want brief? No, (laughs) I don't think that's true. Um, there's a lot of reasons I don't think that's true. Um, one, I don't think that's, that's, I don't think, I think we have desires as image of God that that doesn't necessarily mean um, it's going to happen. Um, another example of this, we were talking about this would would be like, um, like homosexuality. Like I don't, I think if someone is like bent 
to um, liking someone of the same sex, like, they're never going to be, if they're going to be a follower of Jesus, then they're never going to be in a relationship with somebody if that's really, if that's really what their life is bent towards. So I don't think that, that doesn't take away their desire. So um, the same thing is true. Like, I, I desire to be married. I don't know if that will ever happen. And actually, that's one of the things I, I got most frustrated with Christian people about was people that said that thing to me, that people would tell me that. Um, that if, you know, I don't think he would give you this desire if it wasn't going to happen. And I, would, I remember just going up to people and saying, where in the world did you find that in Scripture? Like where? Because I'm not finding any promise of God that has to do with him um, fulfilling everything I desire. <laughs> There's nothing in Scripture I can find that is like truthful like to what you're telling me. It's not like you're just trying to comfort me, you know? And so um, I think and, uh, better ways to think about that are, are having fulfillment in Christ. And um, man, what Scott said last Thursday was really, really good when he talked about the ultimate human experience you can have is to be fully known by God and to, and to know God. And so I think interjecting those truths in, in moments when people say, oh, I just desire to be married. And so will that happen? Um, I think the comfort needs to come from not just saying, oh, yeah, it will happen, but from actually looking at, at God's word. So That's good. That's good. Um, let me, uh, I, just, I want to do another one of these. Okay, I'll, I'll read this, and then I'll open it up, and, and if people want to ask some, and, and I've I, I just realized that we probably won't get to everything. So, we, I mean, we're available to chat afterwards or to, to call or text or do coffee or something like that. So if we can't get to all of them, boys, we'll do an actual coffee not date with you, but uh, I'm sure time with you. Um, you said that guys needed to be very clear about the relationship they are seeking, but how would you go about doing that? How blunt do you think men should be? Um, so, blunt, like, I don't know, like, if blunt is going to be like, a, if that means, you know, I got, I want nothing to do with you, girl, or that kind of thing, or if, if you're talking about just being really clear about your intentions. Here's, here's what, like, I, I don't know if, I don't think, and I don't know where this, where exactly the angle that this question is coming from, but I don't think that a guy has to lay out with every girl that he's in a relationship with, um, friend, friend, thinking about it a little bit more with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't think, I don't think it has to be that. Um, so, so, like, I, I think, I, I think, sorry, yeah, I've lost you with my little, okay. Hopefully, hopefully, now this isn't, this isn't always going to be the case, but hopefully as a guy, you don't have to clarify just friends with them. You know what I mean? This isn't always going to be the case, but hopefully that problem's taken care of and that you're not necessarily acting in a way that's leading her on or something. So hopefully you're not, again, sometimes that will just happen. It's just the way when you, when you build a friendship with someone, sometimes confusion takes place. And so, um, but trying as best as you can to not, to not let that confusion take place. The, the main conversation that you need to be thinking about having is when you actually say, hey, I, want to, I think I want to pursue something with you. And I think it's okay to wait and kind of feel out a little bit if they are interested and try and figure that out. If she does seem to be kind of available, if she does seem to be. And then to, to sit down and just say, hey, this is just so you know. Like, I... Um, like I, I'm interested in you. I, I, I enjoy being around you. I, I, I want to get to know you more. And, and so I would love to take you. I would love to, and, and to be able to just kind of say those statements, um, fairly clearly. Um, 
like this is kind of, I don't know where you're thinking. I just know that I enjoy being around you. I think you're a godly woman. I, I like we we have a good friendship, and so I'd love to. I'd love to just kind of see where this goes a little bit, and 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 to just kind of talk about that, and and to say that out front. I think is is fine to do and good to do. Something else he said that's important is he said out of like a friendship. And, um, that's the context. That's why you, that's why you have to clarify your intentions because it's, it's stemming from within this friendship, um, context. It would, I don't know about every girl in here. It would hundred percent freak me out if a guy I did not know came up to me and said he wanted to take me out because he had intentions of marrying me. And I had a guy do that three times in college, three times, the same guy. Was he was crazy and he didn't understand that I was like I'm really not interested in you really freaking me out and he <laughs> he did not name rhyme with Shmoney yes okay. uh, maybe <laughs> um, yes and, um, and but you know what but I had the opposite thing happen too I had a friend that was a good that I thought was a good friend of mine that I was starting to have feelings for and I never could tell if he had feelings for me or not and actually my parents came to visit me and they said this guy totally likes you said, no way. Yeah, he, yeah, he totally does. And I didn't even tell my parents that I kind of liked him or whatever. And actually, he kissed me. And I said, what are you doing, dude? Like, I don't even, he like leaned in to kiss me and he, and I was, and I like, kind of pushed him like away like this. I said, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it's embarrassing, but it's just, I'm just going to let you know. Okay, so then, then this really happened. I went back to my dorm completely confused and didn't have no idea what was going on and the next day no response like nothing it was weird and then the next day it was just kind of awkward because we hung out with the same group of friends and then he finally like he uh he didn't want he was he didn't know if he liked me or not but he thought I was really pretty and, yeah, this really happened. Wow. <laughs> Luckily, my older brother was there and was ready to kick his rear. Um, so, that happened. But he, um, so that, and that wasn't okay. And that really hurt me. Because I, I don't kiss people. I, I, that sounds really weird. I just, I don't do that. Um, and so, that was a big deal, you know. And so, that is like, that would be an example of what he's talking about of selfishly toying with somebody. He was toying with me. He was. Because I think, because he thought I was pretty. And so I was essentially, I was entertainment for him to, to flirt with me and to show up at the same places and to just toy with my emotions. And, and it wasn't, you know what, I understand that he was trying to sort things out in his head. He should have done it in a different way. And so um, that, that is frustrating to me. That's why I think it's okay as a girl to go and say to a guy, here, you need to figure this out because I, I kind of like you and this isn't, if you don't like me back, like I don't want to be where you are all the time. You know, so I got I got things to do. So, <laughs> so sorry. No, that's wonderful. Okay. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, um, does anybody anybody want to anybody have any questions? Is there? Any male in here with the boldness to ask Morgan a question? Um, anything kind of on your mind that, that you you want to ask? Well, you talked about like how prayer is really important in a marriage, and so I'm just wondering what that looks like in a dating relationship, and like if that's a good thing, like where are the boundaries there? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's a good question. So if marriage, and I'll just repeat more for the recording than anything else, I'm sure, but I heard, but so marriage or, or prayer is important in a marriage. Um, so then what does that look like in a dating relationship and what kind of boundaries are there in that? Um, that is, that's a good question. Um, and, and I think, um, I don't know if I can give a specific line in the way of boundaries, but I, I really do think because we're, we're, Again, the most important thing about you ought to be your faith and your commitment to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's okay to share those things with someone that you're mm-hmm. with. Amy and I um, prayed a lot together while we were dating, but I don't know if we ever had, um, like, I don't know if Amy and I, I'm, this, I'm trying to think right now, kind of on the fly, try to remember, but I don't remember us having kind of set aside prayer times together that we went to spend extended periods in prayer. It was It was much more kind of the natural... Um, like these are the things that are happening in our life. Uh, let's pray about it. This is the stuff that's happening in your life. Let me pray about it with you and 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 be praying for you in those things um, more than um, us having a specific set aside time to pray or let's go spend thirty minutes in prayer together or whatever. And um, we had one dude, by the way, uh, in my dorm who that was like how he that was kind of like his. How he would try and connect at, at a Christian college, people do weird things to try and. <laughs> and so you know, one is like asking girls, literally girls that he's not even dating, but just asking girls that they want to do devotions together. And uh, so, yeah. I had a guy ask if he could pray with me one there time. There you go. See, ask nope, so. he can't. That's really weird. Yeah. In our uh, in our dorm, we gave like awards at the end of the year to different people. And uh, this guy, the award we gave him was "Let's Get Devotional, Baby." And so, so anyway, that's a side note. But I, I think I, I think prayer should be a part, like should be a part of a relationship. But I really do think that it's it's one of those things that, in the same way that I, I would pray for a friend when a friend is hurting or in trouble or or when they're wrestling with something, when they've got something coming up tomorrow and then they're worried about, I would pray that with them. And so I think I would do that with the person I'm dating, I, I think basically I would follow the same lines as friendship. Mm-hmm. What I would do with the, what I would do with the good friend is what I would do with my boyfriend or girlfriend. And, and I wouldn't aim to do a ton more than that, but I would certainly like, if I can't pray with my girlfriend, like I would pray with a good friend, um, with, with a friend. If I, if, if I only ever pray for my friends, if I never, and maybe it's, it's just weird or awkward to, you know, pray in front of her, then, then something's a little, little odd with that, you know? So mm-hmm. If you'd add anything, no, and I would just say exactly what you said about it, like the issue you're praying for kind of makes a difference mm-hmm. with that. So, like I, like we were talking about, just with guarding your heart. Yeah. If you've like let someone in on something that's a really big struggle, my mom told me this. She said then you should almost always kind of in a dating relationship at that point, like you need to be, you need to say, man, I'm glad you told me that. That's that might be important for like our relationship. That's important for our relationship. But now I need to become like the third party on that issue because mm-hmm. we're dating because mm-hmm. we're not married. And so, um, like this example. So if you're dating somebody and they're a Christian man and, and they, they, they do have like a, a struggle with porn or something, then you would say like, I, I cannot be your primary accountability and I cannot like pray with you on those issues. And when you're struggling, you can't text me and tell me you're struggling. Can you please pray with me? I'm struggling right now. Like I am not the person for that. Mm -hmm. Um, so in that time, this is what you need to do. You need to find somebody to help you like, like a grown man that has, that knows what he's doing to help you. And, um, and in fact, I can be accountable to that. I can ask you every week. Um, I can say, uh, have you talked to this guy this week? 
I can say something like that, but I'm not going to ask you, have you struggled with porn this week? Like, I'm not doing that as a girlfriend. I'm not doing that. And so I think the same is true with prayer. I mean, you can't, there are, I think there are boundaries, um, just like Drew said, a really good way to understand that is if you would do that with a friend, and you would not do that with a, with a friend, so. Um, it's good. Yeah. That's good. Anything else? That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. So are there boundaries as far as intimacy and what you share in a marriage? And that is, man, that's that's a great question. I think um, I think I would say overall no. I think this is something when, when it comes to a really the, well, I'll go back to the pornography and the lust issue. That that becomes a weird transition to make into marriage when when a guy is is trying to wrestle with how does he talk through he shouldn't be talking through necessarily. Um, I, I I do think I do think by the way that a guy if especially if it's moving towards marriage, like needs to. Um, if, if he is caught in sexual sin like that, I think he needs to, especially as it's getting serious, um, make his girlfriend slash fiance aware of that. Uh, yeah. Like I think she deserves, yes. I think she has a right to know that, um, before, before they go further in those things. But, but I don't think she's his accountability partner. I don't think she's checking in on him or all those things and that he's sharing details or anything like that. Um, but but say to to move this into um, the marriage context, I, I I used to really believe I and, and and tell guys that they should that that women will struggle to understand the way a guy's brain works in that, and that a, a guy um, doesn't um, doesn't tie the emotional intimacy to things like pornography, and doesn't tie this quite as much as a girl does, and so she's going to have a hard time understanding, and so I used to tell guys, that's probably not best, and I've had some very wise and godly men that I trust, and so I'm even okay with kind of a little bit of this, that say, don't tell you, like, have accountability partners that you're talking with regularly and are speaking truth to you and are checking on you, but don't mm-hmm. tell your wife that stuff. I've actually shifted on that a little bit and, and really come to this idea, that, like, if this is if this is something that is... Uh, <coughs> core broken thing in me then the person like if my wife and I are going to be one okay if your spouse and you are going to be one then they need to know those things about you then they need to they need to be aware of those not to mention that that you are actually sinning against them in those things and so you need to confess that to them Mm -hmm. and and there's freedom in that intimacy And, and so I really don't think there are uh, I don't know that there are any lines the 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 one area that gets a little bit more blurry is not so much personal um intimacy thing I, I think my wife should I, I should be able to tell my wife anything about what's going on in my life and I want to be careful with tact and I want to be careful with um you know the timing and those things but um especially like in my spot where there are some where in ministry there are some people sharing personal things that are going on in their life with me um that I don't like I don't want to tell my wife those things right so it's not that my wife has access to anything any knowledge that I have about anyone or anything that anyone comes and talks to me and my wife is going to know about it um but but as far as my own life and my own soul and my own walk goes I really do believe that that that's kind of the design is that we are in, in, 
that you know physically, um, emotionally, spiritually, economically, socially, okay, one that that we become one person. So, I think too what you're saying about like earlier about like being pursuable and stuff. That's part of like you're constantly pursuing more and more, almost like oneness with your spouse. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like as a woman, whenever he's talking about like this isn't, I just want to like clarify intimate. Um, with sins and knowing somebody is one thing. Like as a woman, I think that you should there's should always be a little bit of mystery to you. And it's not that you're not sharing something with your husband, but it's just that that there just should always be that. Um, my aunt actually is the one that told me that. Um, she she that was her advice. I had my, when my one of my cousins got married. I asked all of my aunts and and my nana and stuff to write her, her um, just advice. And so I could, and so I shared them with my cousin and that was one of my aunt's advice was that there should always be some sort of mystery to you. Like it is fun to surprise your spouse in some way or another. And I, and so I started, I sort of like tried to see if this actually happens in my family because I have a family that loves Jesus. Um, and so it is true. Like my mom will say something and my dad is shocked at what my mom says, even though he's been married to her for a long time and he'll just go, ah, he'll call her by her maiden name. Julie Greer, you know, and, um, and that's what, and and it's flirtatious and it's fun to watch. And, um, so that's not that she's not, um, she's not hiding anything. No, no, no. But, but she's, but there is, she's keeping the mystery to her. Like you think, you know, all of me and you don't, you know, and, and he, and he pursues and it's a, it's fun. It's not. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, have time for maybe one or two more. Brian. <laughs> How does a godly man truly lead in a relationship if he doesn't know what it, that means? Like, he doesn't have any examples yeah. or any insight of what that looks like because single mom homes, yes. you know, yes. crazy, crazy life, sinful living, and... The Christian life is now new to him. Yeah, that's a, that's a really he, good question. How yeah. does he understand what that really looks yeah, like? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, that, the the borderline answer, or the yeah, the basic answer is that that's how does he do it? He won't be able to do it very well. That I mean, that's mm-hmm. difficult. I say he won't be able to do it very well. The the good news is, and the beauty in all of this, no matter like where your failures have been. Um, sexually, physically, or where your failures have been emotionally, or the scars or the baggage that you have. Like the good news is, is that um, Jesus gives us His Holy Spirit, and so in all of these things, I really do believe this. That like His grace does abound, and, and that His grace is able to to enable us in these things. So even in that situation, I wouldn't say it's impossible and you're in trouble. But this is a reason why I think. Um, for all of us, no matter our family background, but especially those who didn't get to see a godly example in their father um, or, or something like that in their home, especially to, for them to be connected to older godly men and to be able to watch them and to be able to ask, and, and ask them questions and, and, uh, and, and learn from them and, and watch how they interact with their family and watch how they interact. Because I, I think it is so crucial to be able to see examples of that. That's one of the, that's one of the beautiful things about the church is that even if we don't get some of the blessings that should have come through our natural family, um, we get a second shot at those blessings through the church family that God gives us. And so we have the ability to be able to see what godliness looks like.
by, by watching it in our older brothers and sisters and, and by learning from them. And so I, I still benefit from getting to watch. I grew up in a, a family with a very godly father and a godly husband, and I got to watch and learn a lot from him. But, but I still benefit from getting to watch other men um, who are older than me and, and the way they treat their wives, the way they lead their families or interact with their kids. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would encourage um, you... Um, men to do that, to be seeking out godly men that you can you can get wise counsel from, and you can watch them do those things. So, and learn, and I I would say too, learn learn what it looks like together with your spouse. So, like going to marriage seminars, and we have like a marriage mentoring thing at the uh-huh. church. There's a uh-huh. lot of ways that you can partner with people who are married and yep. and are God honoring to know what that looks like. Because we right now there are a lot of uh, men in the church that are being discipled to disciple their spouses because they don't know how to do that. And so, um, like, th- I know that there's ways that couples can do that together. And um, I'm thinking even, like, Scott and Ryan, um, Erwin, they, and, and they loved Jesus, clearly. Um, but they, when they first got married, they spent a lot of time with the Johnsons. Um, I don't know if it was, was it in Joplin? Uh-huh. They would just go to their house all the time, and they watched how they interacted with their kids and they watched how they and that became a part of what Scott and Ryan talked about often was they would go spend time with that family on purpose and then they'd talk through like what that looked like and how it was um, because that was that was Scott and Ryan wanting to emulate and f- choosing a godly couple that they admired and wanting to follow that lead so cool one last question we'll let you go Gotcha. That's good. So, how do you how do you spot like um, those kinds of men or women in the church that you can learn from and 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 get to know? And and one thing is uh, that's a good question because you you actually won't like you won't be able to just showing up on Sundays probably like you won't be able to just go into service just kind of like yeah, that one looks like he's extra godly or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't work that way. And so you do need to actually interact with um, to interact with. Um, people in the church. One of the best ways, by the way, to do that is to like pick a ministry and start serving in it. Uh, that's one of the best ways that you get actually connected and plugged in with other adults in the church. And, and to serve by them is a great way to get to know them and see them in action and, and to be able to do those things. But um, this sounds really basic. I'm, I'm preaching on this Sunday, so it's on my mind. But um, I can't, I, 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 I'm thinking a lot about the fruit of the Spirit being being a basic answer but recognize this actually that the fruit of the spirit that that virtually every one of those um are are meant to be um operated manifested in community and in relationships and so actually you can't you can't follow the fruit of the spirit just by yourself in a room you can't you can't manifest that in your life you can't show that in your life through the spirit is something that actually takes place as you relate with people and so that's that's one of the things that I've, i'm trying to learn to ask myself in specific relationships um, is my relationship with my wife increasingly marked by love and joy in, is there joy in my marriage is there peace am i gentle with her is my relationship with my kids marked by love and joy and peace and patience Patience, that's a big one. Is my relationship with my kids marked with patience, um, with gentleness and with self-control with these little ones? 
Um, and so uh, I think to be able to be around them in interaction and then to be looking for those kinds of things, again, not just, oh, he seems vaguely nice or she seems sweet, but like when I get to watch them relate to people, are they, is, is, does there seem to be the fruit of the Spirit in them? So it's good. All right, um, we'll 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 close close down because we've gone a little long, but but we're here and and, and we're we're still available to, to talk and stuff. And, and I don't, actually, I don't know. You probably need to get going so you can go pack. So I'll answer all the questions, guys and girls tonight, and I'll try and do it that little bitty, whatever, funny, hilarious attitude that you're throwing into your stuff too. So all right, um, I, I am I'm where I'm I'm grateful for for my cousin and for her being here and and coming and sharing with you guys and she is she's one of those godly women that's that's worth watching and emulating a little bit so um let me pray and we'll be done okay dear god I'll close in the way I open lord that that your spirit would guide the things that were said and and that uh, if it was if we misspoke or if we said things that don't line up with your with your word in some way, um, that you um, that you would just wipe that clean and, and that you would um, not let that take root, but the things that do match up with your spirit and with your word as you've revealed to us, that um, you would put those in people's hearts, um, that they would long to, to, to follow that truth and that um, you would... Um, yeah, I'll pray this too, that I know that there are, there are people in here who have experienced a, a lot of failure in relationships and probably a lot of hurt and um, a lot of pain, whether it was something that, that was their fault or something that was inflicted on them. Um, and I believe this, that you are, um, that you know those things and as a father you care deeply about them and that you are able to heal. And so I pray that you would bring healing and bring redemption through your Holy Spirit in their lives, um, that you would um, write their story in a new way that honors and glorifies you and brings them joy. Um, I ask you this because you're good, because you're sovereign, and because you made a way to do this um, in, in your son Jesus. Amen. Oh yes, one more thing, real quick. Um, Calista has, has something she wants to kind of share with you and ask you about. So. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>